Welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. I'm Pia Raftier Burton. And I'm Ali Rusbridge. We're aware of the added pressures there's been on the sector in the last couple of months, and it's really great to be back talking um, now, and hopefully everybody will have space now to have uh, a listen to today's conversation. Yeah, thank you for your continued commitment. Today we're going to talk to Becky Coles. So Becky is the manager of Fairways, which is a respite service for people with autism and learning disabilities. They have about 52 people that access that service, five people at a time. The service is a new build. Uh, Becky, part of her role, uh, oversaw that new build and made sure that the service really meets the needs of the people who access the service. Um, and it includes fancy things like a, a sensory room and a hydrotherapy book pool. So Becky's career path is really interesting because she um, started uh, at the age of 15 doing a two-week uh, work experience from her school and uh, she fell in love with the um, organisation and, and the managers supported her enormously and then she wasn't intending to go into care, she was actually intending to go into law but she stayed with that organisation and did her apprenticeships at level two and three and recently her level five um, qualification to be a registered manager and in fact in 2020 she became the youngest CQC registered manager in the country. Yeah, really looking forward to chatting to Becky today, she lots to, sure she will have lots to tell us, so on with the show. So welcome to the Care Exchange, uh, Becky. Uh, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, so we've got lots of questions and we heard instruction there that you manage a respite service. Um, listeners might not know what that is. Would you mind just explaining what a respite service is? Yeah, of course. So a respite service is um, a short break. So where an individual might come to stay for a couple of days or a week or two. And it's usually for themselves to have a break from the family home or to give the main caregiver or family member um, a respite break. So they might be able to then go out and do other activities or they might be going on holiday. So everyone within our local borough um, is entitled to a certain amount of allocations every year. So then they use them within our respite. Okay, okay. And what when you're sort of being a manager of a, a respite service, what are the sort of key things that you need to do to, to sort of kind of provide a really consistent person-centred and care and support to that person staying within your service? Uh, I'd say the, the first thing for me, um, and it's something that I've always made sure that the organisation has done, is we go out and conduct our own assessments with the individuals and their families and education providers or other professionals that are involved to really ensure that we get that holistic approach on person-centred care. So to make sure we understand their needs, their wishes, their preferences, make sure that we get all of that documented, documented in a very descriptive care plan and risk assessment to make sure the staff have got really good guidance to follow. Um, I'd also say obviously when we've then made them plans is making sure that we update them frequently so especially mm. within respite we might not see someone every month we might see them a few months down the line so we make sure that before anyone comes to stay again that we have a quick catch up with the families we make sure that we update the care plans update the medication the medical needs to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to provide person-centered care and also a nice catch up to ask what activities the individual 
would like to do whilst they're coming to stay with us because we're not just based at the, at the centre at the respite we like to access all areas of the community to go out and do all different activities to provide you know uh, active support and personalised care to the individuals I'd also say another thing for a consistent person-centred care approach would be um, the staff team you know making sure we we have a low turnover of staff we've got mm-hmm. some of the same staff that we opened our doors with many years ago um so by you know having that process in place the service users know who's looking after them mm-hmm. it's not just a stranger that they've never met before it's a staff team or a staff member that they know and have worked with in the past and you know maintaining a happy and motivated staff team keeping them engaged is imperative to the service that we're running because it's what keeps service as a whole it what it's what keeps us as what we like to say one big happy fairways family yeah. <laughs> and i can imagine that uh, you have to allocate some time for your workforce for your staff to kind of update them themselves on that person so when you've updated that care plan to kind of make sure oh yeah i know i can see the changes that's happened since last time the person was here yeah absolutely and we ask the staff i mean communication obviously is a massive thing within the teamwork but we ask the staff constantly to be updating and reviewing so you know we have printed care plans the staff will make notes on them care plans every time someone comes to say to enable us then to be able to update the care plans properly with the new information that's been given because nobody knows the individuals better than the staff that are supporting them because yeah. they're getting to see them in all different environments um you know their likes their dislikes but also it's really important we make sure that we actually engage the person that we're supporting with their care plan you know we sit them down we say like this is in your care plan do you want to add anything do you want to take anything out is there anything you want to put in it yeah you know so a lot of the time we have likes dislikes activities we have daily routines so how they like to be supported especially with our individuals that we support with autism that's massive for them to make sure yeah. that they've got a robust routine to follow and that the staff are aware of it mm. and also as well like i say making sure we have a great rapport with the families and the mm. main carers as well because that's yeah. the you know again a massive aspect into making sure that we provide good quality person-centered care yeah i can imagine and you mentioned your service and there's a fairly new service and you watched it being built you're part of kind of a uh, building that service you must have created a whole new set of skills uh, uh built being part of creating a service yeah absolutely um so for, for the year that the uh, service was being done up um become a builder on site for most of the <laughs> days as well um which I really enjoyed actually and it was fantastic with having experience in this sector so many years experience it enabled me to be able to know what was needed in a facility so we wanted to make sure we'd built the facility to meet all the needs of the individuals we were going to be supporting there so you know individuals with learning disabilities individuals with sensory impairments physical disabilities and so we made sure that we were able to purpose built the building basically to enable us to support them individuals um, when they come for the stay and you know in order to do that the, the I was involved the managing director was involved the business development manager was involved and we were on site every single day making sure it was exactly how we'd visioned it yeah. and you know it's come off fantastic with the facilities that we have to offer and the activities whilst you are staying at the respite yeah. service. I'm, 
I'm thinking of you being a builder on site and thinking you might, you know, those skills that you develop there. Have you have you actually used any of those skills or continue to use any of those skills in your registered manager's role? Are the transferable things you think? They're very transferable about knowing about planning permission. I'm also very okay. handy with it, handy with a drill now when things need putting up. <laughs> do you have your own hard so, hat? <laughs> I do. Yes. I did. I did ask for a pink one, but you know, we just got the normal bog standard one. <laughs> but, but in terms of those skills, I mean, I, it, there are a lot of skills involved in those sort of planning and, and really design processes. And and are they things that you you do differently now because you were involved in that building of it? Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, like the facilities that we have, we have a bespoke made um, top range sensory room, and. I've been able to learn from being in the process of building and designing that with the company that we work with exactly what um, each object and what each activity can be used for. So in terms of sensory stimulation, so, you know, what is really good for calming individuals, what is really good for engaging individuals. um, Also along the lines of, um, like you say, person-centred care, but being able to interact with individuals, you know, if they are non-verbal or if they do have a physical disability and they can't communicate like you and I, what tasks and games we can use within Mm. the sensory room to build up them relationships. And it was fantastic. I must say one of my favourite things about building the service was the sensory room. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And you talked, um, you know, again, when you when you first registered and we heard introduction there, you were the youngest manager to have registered with CQC at, at that time. Mm. Um, what do you think are the benefits of being an, a young manager? I think the benefits of being a young manager, I have a different kind of approach to the sector. Mm. So, you know, I've got quite fresh new ideas. Um ready and raring to, to work in the sector, to make a difference, to just be the voice of people that can't always be heard. Um, obviously, everything's not been my own ideas. I've worked amazingly with the managing director and the business development managers throughout the whole process. But it's it's also a very, it's given me a really positive outlook on being able to manage teams as well from a different broad age range. You know, being a young manager can sometimes, it can have benefits and it can have burdens but I think I'm able to really work collectively and interact really well with my staff team um but also as well I like to think being a bit of a younger manage- manager helps me be a bit more rep- approachable and relatable to our service users and staff team because a lot of individuals that we have coming to us are my age so I am able to relate to the life experiences and the life changes that they are going through at the moment. And, you know, we, we call ourselves like a home from home. We're one big family. We have an amazing relationship with everyone. So it makes me really approachable to families and individuals to come and just ask for a bit of advice. Yeah. Mm. You talked a bit about some of the burdens of being younger. Have, have there been particular challenges that you think um, you, you found with being younger as a manager? I think, yeah, there has been some of some of the burdens. Like I would just say, is people don't think I, I haven't had enough experience in mm. the sector. But I've been in this sector since I was fifteen, literally wow. two days since I'd left school. Um, so I've got nearly a decade now of experience. But I think when some people meet you for the first time, they just think, "Oh, you, you're very young manager. You, you're not going to have a lot of mm. experience." And I have had a few. Um, 
conversations with other professionals or other individuals where they've said, you might not know about this, but no, I do, <laughs> because I do have a lot of experience, you know, within the sector. But I'm just a, a, a living, breathing example that proves if you're open to learn and you allow yourself to be coached and you're committed to working in this sector that anybody can do it. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, as long as you've got the correct passion and you've got the right driving force for this sector, you know, it is achievable. It is achievable. Absolutely. What sort of helped you develop to become a new manager? So to start off with, I've got the most amazing team at Away Days and I couldn't be more happy and prouder of the team that I do have, especially the managing director who owns the company. Um, she has just been fantastic in being a mentor along the way, you know, taking me under her wing, being a little 16-year-old apprentice to, you know, allowing me to completely flourish and meet my potential as to where I am now. And that's alongside the other managers, like the business development manager has always encouraged me, you know, just work that one one step harder, you know, and we'll see an outcome. It's just, you know, you've got to just take that one more step. Um, I think also, like I said before, having passion for the sector is what's developed me the most in becoming a new manager. I've seen a lack of respite within the borough that people weren't able to access. And, you know, we took it upon ourselves to get rid of that, you know, lack of um, respite there and to be able to build a service that was there to make a difference. And we're not just somewhere where you come and go. It's somewhere you come, you make friends, you make new family members and we support the individuals to meet their best potential. We encourage independence, things they can do for themselves, you know. Um, and like I said before, the staff team that we have working within the services are amazing. You know, if something goes wrong, we sit down together, we talk about it, you know, and they're, they're so good with the fact of knowing that we're all learning together with being a new manager, that, um, you know, if something does go wrong, it we're all in it together and we're all learning every single day as the days go on. Yeah. So it sounds like the support you've got from your, um, you know, the, the people above you and your colleagues in the organisation is what really kept you in there. And, and you stayed in the same organisation since you started. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been within the same organisation since I ever started in the health and social care sector. And the, the entire team from the support staff to the managers are all just absolutely fantastic. We're just like one big family that helps each other through everything. And especially during the pandemic times of which we've been going through at the moment, yeah. it's where it's been needed the most. Absolutely. And you mentioned apprenticeships. Uh, you know, my, you know, we heard a bit in the introduction that you would, you'd started as an apprentice. What, what did that give you? What, what added things did that give you? being an apprenticeship doing an apprenticeship rather than just going studying full-time at college it gave me real hands-on experience as to what I was going to be doing within the job role as well as learning on the job and I really you know I would definitely say I'm a champion for apprenticeships I think they're amazing you know you get to learn hands-on and I, I personally don't think there's any better way of learning Mm. Um, I started off doing a level two and then went on to my advanced level three. And within those three years of completing um, the qualifications, I had that much real life experience and knowing how to handle individuals, how to work with individuals. You know, I got to learn actually what challenging behaviour was by seeing it and working with the individuals instead of just reading on pieces of paper 
how to deal with situations. Mm. Real life situations are far better for your learning environment, your learning outcomes as well. You know, I was able to achieve very high grades in my um, qualifications due to the referencing that I was able to use because of what I'd worked with at work. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Sounds really good. It's great you're a champion. I mean, it sounds like both the model of support that you've had as a as a growing up through the organization to the manager and, and going through the apprenticeship route is a really good model for others to, to learn from. Absolutely. And that's something that we've carried on, making sure that we do champion within our company. We have a lot of apprentices that start with us. And I'm always the first one to say, I'm happy to be your mentor. I'm happy to help you with your work, stay behind after your shift to read through your work, give any more pointers. And I'm happy to be a mentor along the way because I know how amazing the opportunity of having an apprenticeship is for, again, like I keep saying, that real life experience. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and as well as that, you're also the co-chair of your local registered manager network. Um, why do you think it's important for managers to sort of kind of attend network meetings? I think it's an amazing opportunity to start off with. Um, it gives you the chance to get together with other registered managers within your local area, which again builds up that good local team support. Um, it also gives you an amazing opportunity, and I'm saying this from experience, to learn from other registered managers, mm-hmm. you know, what lessons learned they've put in place or, you know, with guidance coming out, what they've implemented. You know, we work together really well as a team of collaborative working to make sure that we learn from each other so we can improve our own services. Um but it's also great to be able to build relationships within the sector and, you know, sharing of local knowledge and information. If there's events going on within the mm. local area, you know, we're able to share that. It's especially during the pandemic and me being a new manager, it's been something that has been particularly important to me doing this registered mm. managers network and, and meeting individuals because as a new manager, it can be quite daunting and it can be quite scary. You know, you do have a lot of responsibility that you have to take on. Mm. But having the network and the forum there for guidance and for help, you know, the man- the other managers are amazing. If I have a question, I'm able to just pick up the phone and ring them and vice versa. You know, they might ring me for a question. But I'm a great believer in that collaborative working and meeting the minds of others means that you can bring together more achievable and positive outcomes um the different perspectives and experiences that people can offer when coming together in these networks can only be positive to help drive the sector forward um and to help solve problems that as registered managers we all deal with on a daily basis Mm -hmm. yeah sharing some of that sometimes even if if nobody has a solution to to the problem uh, just being able to share that problem with others and talk about it really makes you feel better, doesn't it? Absolutely. Like the everyone always says, two minds are always better than one. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I remember what, uh, I was a registered manager and attending networks and 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 you know talking about. I think it was recruitment. Uh, I'm sure it was. Uh, you know, and, and nobody really had a had a kind of idea or solution that was going to solve it. But just having a chance to talk to other people who were experiencing exactly the same as as me and being able to kind of just you just made made you feel instantly better about about the problem. Actually, made you feel well. Actually, maybe I can do something about this. Um, you know, it really is a, a great way to to share to share ideas. 
Yeah, exactly. Like you say, just even sharing your emotions and how you're feeling about work at the moment with somebody else that's, as you say, in your boots as well. Yeah. It just calms you and gives you that relief that, you know, it isn't just me that's dealing with this at the moment. It's a, you know, nationwide sector problem. Yeah. And yeah. we're all still in it together and we'll all still be there at the end of it together when we do come through the times. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Thanks so much on, um, for all you've said on that. There's a, a theme coming up there about the need for support and collaboration, isn't there, which, yeah. which is great. Um, Becky, we always have something we call our time for care slot in every episode, and that's your chance to share what you think is your most time-saving tip for other managers. So going back to what you said about sharing ideas and, and uh, helping each other, what, what would you advise other managers in terms of your most time-saving tip? I would say I'm a massive believer in making sure every morning, as soon as I get up, I write my to-do list. Yay! So yeah. that I am able. <laughs> Sorry, we're doing that because we're we're, of... <laughs> we're all list makers as well. So we're cheering you on there. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I have I have my book that I actually got for Christmas off one of my staff members that I'm using at the moment. And it says my to-do list for today. Um, so I have a book which I write in every single morning exactly what I need to get done before I finish for the day. And I make sure that I don't go off topic. And I make sure that I am strictly focused on making sure that I achieve all of them tasks that I have to do. If I didn't have it wrote down, I don't think I'd know what I was doing for the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Can I ask a sneaky question? What do you do if you've got something left at the end of the day that isn't ticked off? Oh, then I go into a bit of a panic mood because I don't like not achieving what I wrote down on the list. So sometimes I might bring some work, I might bring some work home with me to get it done when I can get home, put a wash on, a cup tea, and then I can open my laptop back up to get the rest of the tasks. So done. that task that's important to you, that's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I read a I read a book uh, very recently called Getting Things Done. It's quite an old book, but it's it's got some very good tips uh, around to-do lists and how to manage your you exactly what you're say, saying becky having your to-do to -do list just for today and making sure what's on that list is just for today and then having another list somewhere else or another way of storing kind of those more i don't know longer term goals or the things you're going to yeah. be doing another time or, or or using your diary to do that and it, you know it, it's exactly what you're saying you, you your to-do list for today is your to-do list for today and that makes you focus and what what you might do tomorrow will be on tomorrow's to-do list um rather than kind of crowding your crowding your thoughts isn't it really yeah exactly you, you need that especially within the sector your day can start off absolutely fine and five minutes later it can be the busiest day of your life mm. so you know you need to make sure you have them notes down for what you need to do for the day otherwise it's just going to get passed on to the next day's to-do list and the day after that and the day after that and you'll come to the end of the week and you'll have six million things that you're supposed to have done, yeah. but you haven't set the time aside to do it. Mm. Yeah. So there's a, good, there's a key there about setting time aside, not yeah. just writing yeah. the list. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm definitely a true believer in the to-do list. <laughs> okay. Um, you've given us so many tips and, and, and things to think about already, Becky, but a final question. So this is your chance to sort of really leave a message to, uh, to the listeners. So imagine that we're in a lift on the 10th floor and we're going down. And before people get out of the lift, you want to tell them what you think is most important. So your key messages, what would you say? My key message would be, especially coming from my experience, 
believe in what you want to achieve no matter how old you are what age you are or what barriers have been put in your way believe it focus on it and work towards achieving it it's brilliant it's a really strong message to leave us with <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think obviously we've we've talked a little about your your age and but i think it's any age isn't it if you if you if you came into the sector late and you're seeing exactly. actually this is what i'm passionate about go go for it absolutely yeah absolutely if you decide at 55 you want a career change into the sector you know believe work towards it and achieve it it doesn't matter what age you are i'm just talking from an experience of coming into being a registered manager at the age of 22 um but it doesn't matter what age you are or where you are in life you can always work towards achieving what you've believed you can do it's a nice little strap line that isn't it believe work towards it and achieve it that's a nice i I can see that as a kind of strap line yeah (laughs) that's great brilliant yeah, thanks very much, Becky. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Becky. Uh, really great to, to talk to you and just have learned so much about how how you're see how you're seeing your service. So, really huge thanks from us from the Care Exchange. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very Bye. much. Bye. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Gosh, that was a really interesting conversation with Becky. Yeah. Uh, so many things to pick up on. I don't think we've got time for them all. But just for me, um, I just kept thinking throughout that whole uh, conversation, that manager who offered Becky work experience at the age of 15 mm. and grabbed hold of her and, and offered her a position and have had, a, had an amazing you know, kind of nine years of, of of somebody working for them being passionate about the work they're doing and then and, ending up and supported her throughout that time Absolutely. brilliantly you know I, I, I know when I was a manager I was really passionate about offering work experience and I know it's a really tricky time now but I just felt it was so important to open my service and offering anybody who had any kind of interest in social care a chance to come in even if it was for a day for a week for two weeks um, and just uh, you know, I haven't had the experience of somebody coming back and, and working their way up to being a, a registered manager, but I did have lots of young people coming back to me and said, oh, well, I came to you for work experience. You know, could I apply for a job now? And it, it's mm. so the seed, you know, I do think yeah. it's, 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 a, it's such a good way of engaging with young people. And, and it helps them understand what care is because they don't know unless they've experienced it. And that's what Becky was saying a lot, wasn't it? It was yeah. the experiencing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and the passion she she, yeah. she clearly got on that first first day and then how she how that's shaped her her passion throughout her the rest of her, her yeah, the last nine years yeah. yeah yeah exactly so we do actually have a, a whole section on the skills for care website called think care careers which is all around um the sort of careers you could have in in social care and obviously Becky was talking about apprenticeship, you know, how apprenticeship can really be used and utilised if you are working with your local college or if you are offering work experience and talking to young people coming into your service. Uh, On the the website, there's some really nice sort of kind of meet. You meet four different characters who are all different different stages in their lives and how they then engage with careers in, in social care. And there's a really great way of sort of just how do you begin your journey with working in social care and and how to um, use apprenticeships as part of that and obviously Peggy was talking lots about how apprenticeships really just made such a big difference to her her working her working career so far 
Yeah, and I think those resources are, are really helpful if, if people are wanting to really encourage people to start a career with them through apprenticeships. So they're definitely worth checking out, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. When she was mentioning her age, you know, we being the youngest um, manager, registered manager um, with CQC, and, and the, the the pros and cons of that that was very interesting. But I was I was then thinking about our own data because we collect through the adult social care workforce data set. We collect the data, and we did a report quite recently on registered managers. And I know that that said that the average age of a registered manager is forty eight and a half, isn't it? And and in yeah. fact, the data shows that there aren't. You know, um, she's probably the only registered manager you're under 25 which is just uh, unique so I, I think that to me just if, if other people could do what her manager did and, and bring on younger managers wouldn't that be wonderful because we know that we've got a, an aging well not aging but you know 48 and a half is quite old isn't it for the average age of a manager so we need to get more younger managers in um, but our data is, is quite interesting on that. So that might be something that people want to have a look at and, and compare the age of the ma managers in their area, in their local authority area, because yeah, we've got a sort of tableau thing that allows people to look at that kind of level of, um, of things. And I know demographics um, is quite, you know, it's not just registered managers. We, we have got quite an older workforce in many ways, but I'm yeah. a bit of a, a geek. I like playing with the data. So <laughs> that's something that's yeah. me. No, and I think the thing, the, the, the way we have it now, it's so intuitive in terms yeah. of being able to find the data that, that's useful for you. So, you know, if you haven't yeah. explored that new way uh, of, of, of looking at the, the workforce data that, that um, you know, you're hopefully uploading onto your ASKWDS account, how that's used and how you can, how you can use that data yeah. To, yeah. To, to do workforce planning. Absolutely, but she she was so good at, at showing the value of of and the and the passion and the things she was saying about being a young manager. So let's hope we can get many more people like Becky into the sector, absolutely. and other organisations supporting the next generation, as it were. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's great stuff. So thank you very much for listening to the Care Exchange. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Bye. Bye.